Welcome to this podcast of the Sunday Message from Hope Gateway in Portland, Maine. We'd love to have you join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., currently on Zoom and broadcast live on Facebook. Visit our website at hopegateway.com to learn more. Whether you live near or far, we hope you find this message to be meaningful. Wherever you are, join us in doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. Good morning, Hope Gateway family. Can you hear me okay? Can I get a thumbs up from somebody at home to make sure? Thank you, Allison. I'm Margaret Minger and my pronouns are she, her, hers. And this morning we are going to be thinking about the challenge of forgiveness. Has anyone ever wronged you? Maybe somebody's done something really unkind or mean to you? And have you then maybe thought about what you'd say if you ever saw them again? Maybe you even, as I clearly have, rehearsed an entire imaginary conversation you'd have, giving them just a piece of your mind. I hope I'm not the only one who has ever said things out loud to a windshield, to a mirror, or an empty room, saying everything I wanted to say to the person who did me wrong. When I was transcribing my notes for this sermon, I wrote the word rehearsing about rehearsing these conversations in my head and autocorrect made it reheating. It's caused me a little bit of pause because when I'm rehearsing in my mind what I would say to somebody who did me wrong, it does get me reheated pretty quickly. And sometimes, you know, we see that autocorrect is a little too spot on. That was a bad moment for me. Um, Maybe some of us have had the experience of being done wrong and thinking about what we would say to that person, but none of us have been sold into slavery by our brothers. So we really couldn't fault Joseph if he did the same thing. If he rehearsed all the things he would say to Reuben and Simeon and Judah and all the others, if he ever saw them again about being enslaved and in prison and falsely accused, all that stuff. For the past several weeks, we have been exploring Joseph's story through a new and different lens that we have called Queering Genesis. We've learned a lot about Joseph's life and considered how it might have been Joseph's gender expression that was the catalyst for everything that came afterward. We started with how Jacob loved Rachel and therefore her sons more than he loved his first wife, Leah, and her sons. We discussed the princess dress that Jacob, also known as Israel, gave Joseph. And then we moved on to his dream about his brothers bowing down to him and his naivete and telling the brothers about that dream. And then the brothers getting a little irritated and deciding they were going to get rid of him and sell him into slavery and then going back home and telling their father he had died. We heard about his ability to interpret dreams, survive false accusation and prison, speak truth to power, and prepare a country to save the world from famine. Joseph lived through all of this, as Jeff and Alan reminded us, because God was always with him. 
So while we have learned about Joseph's life, we've also learned a lot about who God is and how God works in the world. We've learned that God cares about our hopes and our dreams and that God can make use of us to change the world. And yes, that God is always with us. Today, we are going to cover a large swath of scripture, but we're only going to read little bits of it, I promise. But first, before we give into Joseph's story again, we're going to look at Jacob and what choices he made that set into motion the things to come. We're looking at Genesis 42, verses 1 through 5 from the message. When Jacob learned that there was food in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you sit around here and look at one another? I've heard there's food in Egypt. Go down there and buy some so we can survive and not starve to death. Ten of Joseph's brothers went down to Egypt to get food. Jacob didn't send Joseph's brother Benjamin with them. He was afraid that something bad might happen to him. So Israel's sons joined everyone else that was going to Egypt to buy food for Canaan too was hit hard by the famine. So here's this picture. Jacob learns there's food in Egypt and he starts this conversation with his sons off with some version of what is wrong with you? Why are you just sitting around being useless? Now, maybe these 10 sons were just sitting around. Maybe they were a little depressed now that there was no work for them to do, no fields for them to attend. Interesting thing to me is that the scribes of this story, this tradition that was carried down orally, have revealed a family dynamic that could have easily contributed to their resentment of Joseph. Even after Joseph, the favored son, was no longer there, their father treated them harshly. So while Joseph might have been rehearsing in his mind, all the things he would say to his brothers, should he ever see them again, his brothers might have also chosen to rehearse what they wanted to say to their father about how unfair he was and how he played favorites with Joseph and with Benjamin. So we're going to recap several chapters here. Here's what happened next. The sons did as their father directed. They packed up their donkeys. They traveled to Egypt to get food. And when they came to one of the warehouses that Joseph and the team had set up for food distribution, Joseph was actually there. They didn't recognize him because, of course, he's dressed like an Egyptian pharaoh, but he recognized them. And so he chose to personally deal with them. He tested them. He accused them of being spies. He, he, was, he gave them a little bit of, uh, I'll say, a poke. You know, he was a little unhappy with them. but. He wanted to find out if his brother Benjamin and his father were still alive. And so while he wasn't exactly easy on them, once he knew that his father and Benjamin were alive, he said, look, you can buy your food, but you have to come back and bring the, the younger brother. And in order to ensure that, I'm going to keep one of you here. And so Simeon was kept behind. Joseph was actually pretty kind to them. When they packed up all their food, one of the things he did was direct that all their money be placed in their bags. But he was very clear with them. Do not come back to ask for assistance again without the younger brother. So nine brothers went home with the food that they needed and 
all the money they had paid for it. So basically the food was free. It was a gift from Joseph. They were a little weird when they found out that the money was there, but they didn't travel back to Egypt immediately to return it. After they had used all of that food, sometime later, they needed to go back and get more food. So now they had to confront their father and say, hey, look, we can't go back without Benjamin. We have to. The man told us we have to bring back our younger brother. And Jacob wailed and moaned and, you know, Joseph was gone and Simeon was gone. And now they wanted to take away his favorite. And he was harsh to them all over again. You know, I want to be really kind to Jacob here because he did clearly embrace Joseph's differences. But nonetheless, he made choices as a father that led to some of the challenges that they had. So this time they did go back. They went back to Egypt with their packs and their donkeys and with Benjamin. And when Joseph saw them, he was so emotional that he had to leave the room and go have a good cry. This was astounding to him. His brothers were back and this time Benjamin was with them. So when he came back out, he told his steward to prepare a great feast for them. And they were taken to his home, his palace. They were given a chance to clean up. They were reunited with Simeon, their older brother. And then when Joseph came in, they bowed down to him just as he had dreamed they would and as he had told them they would. They told him that they brought back the money from the first go round and that they had brought Benjamin too. Throughout this luncheon where the Egyptians were seated in one place and the Canaanites, Joseph's brothers were seated in another and Joseph had sort of a head table. Throughout the whole luncheon, Joseph was very emotional and kept coming and going and leaving the room. Here were all of his brothers and especially Benjamin eating in his palatial home with him. And eventually he was so overcome with emotion and so overwrought and crying and trying to talk while he was crying at the same time that he sent all of the Egyptians out of the room. So this is Joseph's moment. He might have been rehearsing this conversation forever, saying all the things he wanted to say to them in his head about how he'd been enslaved and falsely accused and been tossed into prison. He was ready. He could have been ready to say, you wronged me. This is what Joseph did say. I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? His brothers couldn't answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Imagine how stunned they were. The second most powerful man in Egypt. This is their kid brother? The one they sold to a tribe of traitors? 
this this man dressed elaborately as an Egyptian pharaoh standing right in front of them. And by the way, let's pause here for a moment and think about how much fun Joseph must have had because he'd had that you know gorgeous, colorful princess dress, remember? Think about the makeup and the color and the jewelry of an Egyptian pharaoh. Imagine how much fun Joseph had with that. But here's Joseph, whom they know they've harmed. They've convinced themselves he was either a slave or dead. Here's Joseph standing before them, a ruler in Egypt, not berating them, but saying, it's okay. It's okay what you did to me because God used it in my life and in the life of this country and the surrounding countries and now in your lives too. So here is Joseph saying, I forgive you because I choose to recognize how the wrong you did to me caused me to grow and prosper. And I choose that rather than to dwell on how mad I am. Joseph chose to forgive them, to be in relationship with them, just like God forgives us when we mess up, when we choose not to listen to God's voice, when we choose not to listen to the dreams that God has given us, when we sometimes choose not to do justice, love kindness, or walk humbly with God. God chooses to be in relationship with us rather than chew us out. So, the next time I'm tempted to rehearse a wrong in my head, I am going to try to remember, to learn from Joseph and what his relationship with God can teach me. I am going to try to listen to God's voice, not my own voice in my head. And I am going to choose to see how a wrong can be turned around for good. I'm going to change my mind and then my behavior because that will cause me the greatest healing and it may bring healing to the world as well. And I will be able to do that because God is always right here with me, with you, with all of us, wanting to be in relationship with us and waiting for us to do so. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. To hear more about Hope Gateway and to discover how together we can do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God, visit our website at hopegateway.com.